if you love Jesus, can I get a what? What? Tell your neighbor you're glad to see him here. I'm so glad each and every one of you are here today. I'm excited. Are you happy to be in church? Are you happy to see the sunshine three days in a row? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The sun does exist in the Midwest. Amen. I've been riding my bike every day this week. Praise God. I'm going to ride my bike again this week. God has been doing so many great things in this church. We're going through the book of Ephesians. I'm glad you're here. If you're new, it's no better time to start than right now. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians 4, 17, por favor. We're going to go verse by verse through the book of Ephesians like we've been doing all year long. Today we are going to talk about anger. And I put up a video on the MPI Facebook page. If you're not there, like it. Metro Praise International. Like it, you can follow us, and then I also put up on my page, I showed myself acting out a temper tantrum, throwing a laundry basket, and then I talked about that was how I used to be before I knew Jesus. Before I was changed, I used to be like that, but then here's the honest truth. As a Christian, I have struggled with that. Not to that extreme. There was acting there, and I do have proof that it was acting because I have the, vi the video that my wife shot because she was shooting it, and I smile at first just in case anybody ever tries to use it against me. Be like, pastor's crazy. Look at him. It's like, no, man, I got you, man. I got the beginning of the video of me smiling. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you're lame and you don't follow me on Facebook. So stop being lame and follow me on Facebook. Amen. Half an amen on that. But you know what I mean. Follow us if you want to see what's going on. I put daily devotions out as well. We're going to put off anger and put on patience. Can I hear an amen? This is a powerful part of our sermon series. We're learning to be in Christ. That's the name of the sermon series through the whole book of Ephesians. And this part of Ephesians is what we're learning here is the earthly good. We've gone through the whole book up into the chapter 4 where it talks about being heavenly minded. All of the things Paul talks about in those first four chapters. Now we're going to the instructions on Christian living. And the first set of instructions have to do with your mindset, how you think. That's how you're going to live. Because as you think is how you live, okay? The thoughts are going to dictate how you're going to act in life, and your actions need to be controlled by your thoughts. Then we'll move on to the instructions of a godly family and a job. Then we'll talk about spiritual warfare, and then end the book sometime in the fall of this year, and that will be right around a two-year sermon series. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. And so what we're learning today is the instructions on Christian living. So if you just look at the notes up here, just this one section here, chapter 4, verses 17 to chapter 5, verses 20, are these 17 messages that we have pulled out of it. And if you're keeping count, today we're on number 4. Don't give a place to anger and the devil. Ephesians 4, 17 takes me about three minutes to read. I'm going to add some comment to it, so I don't want to lose you. But I want you to see how it plays into the message message today on giving God your anger, giving God your emotions, doing things his way. Ephesians 4.17 starts off with Paul saying, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer think as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. See, it's real easy to read it as that, the Gentiles, because most Christians don't even know what a Gentile is, but it's a non-Christian. Let me read it in a way that would make sense to some of you, okay? And, and I'll start with me, that you must no longer think as an Italian thinks. You must no longer think as an American thinks. You must no longer think as a Puerto Rican thinks. You must no longer think as an African American thinks, a Guatemalan, a Honduran, as a Mexican, in the futility of their thinking. Let me be real with you right now. Dealing with anger, I was raised the wrong way even in a Christian family. My parents slapped me across the face oftentimes even in public, and never felt embarrassed to do it. When I was in Disney World, I saw a Latino couple. The only reason I know it was Latino because the Spanish was loud. A brother and sister were fighting, and the mother, it was almost a punch with as far back as she drew her hand, slapped the child right in the face. The father kicked the other one right there on the way to get on to Disney World. My kids only saw the bare end of it with the faces going like this and the bodies going like that, and the children terrified, embarrassed, and crying. You see, we were taught a lot of ways on how to handle anger in our family and in our culture, and it was wrong. 
I love my mother and father. I have an Italian mom, a Polish dad. I love them. I always tease, and I say, the Italian inside of me makes me want to be loud and talk with my hands. The Polish makes me want to repeat things two and three times, okay? Because, you know, how many times you got to tell it to me or I got to tell it to you? It's because of the Polish in me. That's how I would say it. But listen, all joking aside, that's not okay. That's not okay. I don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian. We don't slap our children in the faces. We don't beat them out of anger. Now, maybe my parents wouldn't have been accused of child abuse, and some of you would say, I was raised that kind of way. But listen, that's not the Bible way. That's not the Bible way. And even now in our government, they're cracking down on it. And I believe in spanking. I spank my children, but I do it under control. I don't do it on their face. My mom tried to throw a TV at me one time, how angry she got with me. And I know it's funny. It's okay to laugh, by the way. We're in church. It's okay to laugh. But this is a lot of what made my life miserable, okay? And it's going to be funny at times because it's, it's, it's relatable, but it was real for me. My mother would handle anger in such a negative way that it affected me. I remember one time when I was in a junior high, I had painted a picture of Perry Farrell of Jane's Addiction, my favorite rock star, and it took me weeks to do it. It was a humongous project. My mother, out of anger, ripped it up right in front of me, and then I ripped up the Bible right in front of her. You can't expect to sow seeds into children's lives and not reap a harvest of what you're sowing. You see, it turned into a fight with me and my mom out of anger. She would punch me, I would punch holes in the door in my bedroom. This is no lie. Talk to my mom about it. She would, she would kick or get upset, throw things at me. I would kick holes in the wall, in the hallway. I remember one time I just went and kicked a hole right in the wall. You see, that was the way I was raised. What we would call talking, everybody else would call yelling because we talked at each other in a wrong way. My friends, when the windows were open in the summer, could say they could hear my mom yelling at me, would cuss, get upset, throw things at me. You see, maybe in their defense, they would say, well, Joe, you were just that bad. You know, we didn't know what to do. That's true. But the thing is, Paul's telling us, and he's insisting on it, that we no longer think like that. That's not the way we think, and that's not the way we act. See, today's message is about anger, and we need to go right here to the start of Paul's passage and say, we're not going to think like this culture. We're not going to do it. We're going to have the mindset and the attitude of Christ. Verse 18, they are talking about sinners who don't know God or darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. See, where did those tra traditions come from? They don't come from God. You may say, well, I'm American. I'm going to punch them in the face. That didn't come from God. That attitude, I'm machismo, you know, that didn't come from God. Trace that tradition back. It's not so holy after a while, is it? Sometimes we want to sanctify our, tra our traditions and make them look like they're so awesome. Like in my culture, we do this. In my culture, listen to me. I don't care what culture you're from. You lay a hand on a girl or a lady, you deserve to go to jail. You listening to me? Now, some people are like, I know some crazy girls that want to fight and beat me up. That's another story. A girl comes in with fists like this, ready to fight like, you know, uh, what Ronda Rousey. Okay, you better defend yourself, sir. But men, you know what I'm talking about. And it's not only physical abuse. There are ways that God has made men to talk to men to defend their home from bears and animals and from wild, you know, animals out there and from people, and we don't talk to women like that. All of my family has been abused or abuser. My mom was abused by an alcoholic husband that she had. My three half-siblings from that man, two of my, my two sisters were abused in their relationships, okay? And my sister died even drinking and driving two baby daddies, right? And then my brother was an abuser. Now, I never physically uh, handled a woman like that, but I would yell at women like I would yell in a, in a manly way that was never meant to talk to women like that. You see, I want to tell you something. Just because you think I was brought up in the suburbs and, you know, Pastor, you got white privilege. You don't know about what I've been through. People get beat in white homes, too. I'm telling you the truth. People get beat and molested in white homes, too, in the suburbs of Fort Wayne, Indiana, of 300,000, where we have cows out in our backyard. I'm being honest with you. We get beat there, too. People get abused there, too. People get sexually molested there, too. Okay? And what we need to understand is that's from a hard heart. 
Wherever that started, that came from a hard heart. That came from the thinking of a non-Christian. So it doesn't matter, red and yellow, black and white. We all submit our culture to Christ's culture today, amen? We take our hearts and we give them to God. And if it's different than our families, then so be it. Let us be a light to them, amen? And thankfully, my parents have repented since then. And part of what they said is, we didn't know any better. That's how we were raised, right? That's just how we were raised. We didn't know any better. We got slapped in the mouth. We got stuff thrown at us. That's how, but once again, that wasn't from God. The one who started that, I don't care if it was great, 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 great grandpa in Poland who started that nonsense. He didn't get it from this book right here. And this is my instruction manual. Amen. Praise God. They've lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. See, the way of life you learned was not that way. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now, you notice each one of these 17 messages about Christian living, I always work it through the passage, and now it becomes so obvious. He wasn't necessarily talking about anger in that passage, but you notice how I already applied it? Because it has to do with your thinking. When we talk about uh, next week not stealing and being generous, how, how you live with your money, you'll find it in that same passage. Though it's not mentioned by the words, you'll see it's still the mindset because it's always going to be the mindset of God versus the mindset of the world. Verse 22, you were taught with the regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Part of your old self is the way you handle problems which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, I was taught to put off my old self, but let me give you a little bit of my old self today. So I didn't like to fight for fighting's sake, but I would defend myself growing up. And, uh, but I was also a person that loved to play around and, and just mess with people. Man, I would just do this stuff all the time to mess with people. Well, one day I was working at the lumber yard. Believe it or not, I was 15 years old, my first job working at a lumber yard. And there were these little sticks that we would put between the two-by-fours as we would stack the wood to dry before it would get shipped off. And it was just long enough to want to used to slap somebody on the butt with it. You know, it just looked like this is the thing. I just want to slap somebody on the butt with it. Okay? So I'm taking that little stick, and my friend, he's a little bit older than me. So I'm 15. He's about 16. And I'm slapping him on the butt with this stick running around the lumber yard. And then here comes a dude from his school that is a senior. He's a senior. He's going to be on the football team, a big guy. And he says, you guys are a bunch of blankety blanks. Get back to work. And I said, man, I'll hit you on the butt with this stick. I bet you won't do anything, okay? This is how dumb I was. Somebody say, your old self. This was my old self. So I walk over to him, literally look him right in the eye, this big country boy, and I just go, Tsh. I don't know how fast this boy could get the hands up and punch me in the face, but I'll tell you what, it seemed like it was the moment I tapped him on the butt, I was getting knocked right in the face. That's what it felt like. And we got into a fight. Thank God I won. I'm just going to tell you the winning fights today. I'm only going to tell you the ones I won today. Those are the only stories you're going to hear. But I got knocked so hard in the face, man. It was just like, and I was just like knocked out, and I was like, oh, it's on now. But I just began to think to myself, that's my old self, right? That's my old self. Well, you would think, you would think, well, when Joe got born again three years later, that that's, that's it. That's, that's over now, right? Joe's a Christian. But no, I've told you this story before because I use it as an example of how God still teaches us. I'm working doing painting, and I'm getting, uh, you know, some money doing this, and the guy that I'm working with is hiring drug addicts to work with them, to work with them, and then he leaves, and the drug addict starts cussing me out. And, and, and I say, man, stop cussing me out. But you know what I did? I stepped right up in his face, and I said, you won't do nothing. You're a punk. You know, I started calling him out. I'm like, all you do is talk. And then before I know it, I get punched in the face again, I get a black eye, win the fight, praise God. <laughs> no lying in church, I am being honest. I win the fight, but this time, as a Christian, I'm coming to church with a black eye. See, my old self. Yeah, I won the fight, but I still have a black eye. My, my, my point in saying that is, is you can bring your old self into your new life. You can act a certain way. In, the, in what we would call in Jerusalem like you used to act when you were in Babylon. Somebody say Babylon. When you used to be a Babylon man. You see, you've got to leave those Babylonian ways alone, man. You've got to come to New Jerusalem. Oh, man. See, there we go. See, I took my Babylonian ways into Christianity. Now, I wish I could tell you 
that that was the last time I almost got in a fight. You know, there are times I tell you guys honestly, the last time I looked at pornography was 96, because I keep it real with you guys. Last time I told a lie was like in 99, right? But I want to tell you what, the last time I almost got in a fight was yesterday. Yesterday. Now you're saying, Pastor, I don't even know if you're fit to be a pastor. But thank God I did the right thing. So I'm riding my bike, just minding my own business, and an SUV comes within this close to me and lays on the horn the entire time he comes by me. As he's coming by me. Now at that point, I've seen bikers start fights like that. But you know what I did? I backed off. I said to myself, that's not worth it. I'm not going to get into a fight with this guy. Now you see, things can change so quickly that you don't even plan for it. Okay? What if I would have got into that fight and then let's say uh, I hurt him in such a way that accidentally put him in the hospital and then they have to arrest me, you know, to figure it out in court. Was this guy defending himself or did he beat this dude down? What if the guy is some jujitsu guy and beats me up and puts me in the hospital? Do you see how our just momentary decisions when it comes to anger can literally affect our entire life? And I say this not to be proud in any way. I say this to be ashamed. But there have been times that I have suffered from road rage in a way that could have cost me my life. Just on my way to seminary two years ago when I was driving uh, in the suburbs in a nice community, somebody cut me off. And I'm like, Charlie, you ain't cutting me off. I'm from the city, Jack. I, I, I put on my gas. I drove. Listen to me. I'm not proud of this in any way. I drove on the shoulder until I could rip my car right in front of him like Dukes of Hazard. What if I would have died that day? What if I would have hit a kid that day? I was driving literally in people's yards. They were country yards, but I was driving in people's yards. What happens when you lose your temper? What mistakes do you make that you regret? See, your old self will deceive you. Notice what it says right here. We're corrupted by our deceitful desires. We're corrupted by them. When we do not listen to what the Spirit says in our times of anger, we can literally suffer death. And it, we, it, we won't have anybody else to blame. It will be only for ourselves. Now, I know some of you are all just here, and you're just going to make me look bad today, and you're not going to pretend like you have any issues, but I want to know if there's anybody here that's going to keep it real with me and be like, you've been here before. How many of you have ever suffered from your anger before in road rage? How about talking to Comcast? Can anybody relate to the old woman that took a hammer to Comcast, went to their front office with the hammer and beat that phone down, say, now how do you like it? I want to be honest with you today. I have struggled with this. This has been my greatest weakness. When it comes to all the other weaknesses that I have as a Christian, there is such a distance between me and that sin. The sin of lust and adultery, the sin of stealing, there is such a distance that it almost seems like for me to do it, I would have to cross the Mississippi. Like it's a mile wide. But for me to lose my temper, it's within a hair's breadth of, of anything I'm doing in life. Within just a hair's breadth, I can lose my temper. And listen to what Jesus said. He said, those who are angry with their brothers are guilty of murder. Just as he said, lust is, the, is equal in the kingdom. In the mindset of lust, it's equal to adultery. The mindset of anger is equal to murder. Somebody say, God help us. Thank you. He says, therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of one body. Let's read verse 26 and 27 together. One, two, three. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. You see, this is where we have to make the decision. Do we see Paul's point here? Am I leading a church by example or am I lying to you about my weakness? No, I'm going to lead you by example. And if you're better at this than me, praise God, I will learn from your example. I am not, as the Bible says, fallen to this in such a way where I could lose my office as an elder. But I know if I was to lose my office as an elder, it would probably be this. Just like Patton lost his office as a general when he slapped one of the soldiers in the face who didn't want to go back to the battlefield. How often do you and I want to take things into our own hands? Do you know that Moses, the greatest leader of the Bible, was Moses? He was told by God, you're going to take these people into the promised land. Do you know that Moses could not enter the promised land because of his temper? That is my greatest fear and concern for my life. And for those of you who can relate to me, that's my greatest concern for you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't sin in your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. Look at those real, look at those three don'ts. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. That sounds like it's serious.
Anger itself is not a sin. God gets angry. We'll learn about that. Anger is an emotion. We are not Buddhists. We do not believe that God is like, um, we believe God gets angry. Jesus in the temple, look at the Bible. Jesus called people names, look at the Bible. Whitewashed tombs, snakes, vipers, etc. But we understand that we can sin in our anger. And not every anger is sanctioned by God or other words. It's not father filtered. We need to filter our emotions from God's perspective. And if he's not angry, we shouldn't be angry. And if God's not handling that situation that way, nor should we. Next week, we'll talk about this uh, not stealing and being generous. Anyone who, is not, who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Now, notice how the rest of this is all kind of tied around this, uh, this part that I bold here, rage, anger, and brawling. Notice this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. When does that normally happen? When you're angry, upset, not handling your situation right, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. I mean, when you're shouting at that other car in front of you, are you building them up? <laughs> Learn how to drive. No, it's not like you're driving next to them going, hey, good sir. Uh, by the way, did you know you have a turn signal there by your steering wheel? If every now and then you hit it, that would help me in the back do a lot better when I come up to you 50 miles an hour. It would be nice if you let me know you're going to turn here. You know, you, you don't generally talk to people like that, do you? You don't talk to the people at Comcast. Comcast, well, I understand you guys are busy there. That's why you've had me on hold for an hour. But uh, let me just tell you how much I appreciate you and want to build you up right now. No, that's not how we do it, is it? We don't talk to our children when we're angry that way, but we need to. We need to get out of what's natural and get into what is supernatural. Get out of what is ordinary and get in what is extraordinary. Amen? Stop being in a naughty nature and live by a divine nature. Only speak what builds others up that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do you know what grieves the Holy Spirit of God more in my life than anything else? My temper. Grieves the Holy Spirit of God. I feel so convicted. I'm not just talking about my conscience. I have that as well. I'm talking about the relationship I have with Jesus is grieved through my temper. How many can relate? You've said something you regret, and you know God is grieved. You've talked about somebody in a certain way that you shouldn't, and God is grieved. And the Bible says that's not what you're supposed to do. The Holy Spirit is a dove. And I love the way one preacher said about it. The Holy Spirit sat upon Jesus as a dove. Imagine you walking around life with a dove on your shoulder. That's how we're supposed to be. And yes, there may be times we're intense, we suffer uh, persecution or we're in conflict. Some people here may be police officers, probation officers. We have people that are sheriffs that work in the jail, people in the military. And there may be times that you have to do things that are not the nicest things. We get that. But you can still do it in the presence of God. David fought battles in the presence of God. In other words, we don't make everybody Hiroshima. We don't drop A-bombs on everybody. Amen? There's things we need to do in this world to show the world we're different than them. And even even when we fight, we fight differently. Look at what he says in verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And what's the opposite of those things? So if we're not doing all of these things, what are we supposed to do? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ forgave you. I wonder what would have happened if my mother would have broken the habit that she had with her father who never really said she, uh, my, my, my grandfather never told my mother he loved her, never, almost her whole life. I wonder what would have happened if my mom would have broke that, not just in telling me she loved me, she was great at that, but would have broke that which she got from, from grandpa with discipline, how much more I would have maybe listened to her corrections. You see, she grew up telling me she loved me, but she still beat me like grandpa beat her, Right? I'm talking old school. Go get a switch off the tree type old school and get whipped with the switch. I'm telling you the truth. People did get beat like that, kids, believe it or not. It, didn't, it wasn't always timeouts. I'm being honest. I had one country preacher tell me my dad gave me timeouts before they were ever taught by, uh, you know, Oprah and all them. He would punch me in the face, knock me out, and he would say, son, take a timeout. I'm being honest. That's what a country man told me. That's how he grew up. It sounds funny, but unless you're the one getting punched in the face. See, we have to break those habits. We have to learn to be kind and compassionate. About four years into my marriage, about eight years ago, I had yelled at my wife, and I realized now what it was doing to me physically. My heart was beating fast. You see this all the time, especially with Italians. You're going to have a heart attack, man, the way you eat food all the time. Italians get angry. And I could feel it now because I'm in my mid-30s. And not only that, but I saw what it did to her. And I said, God, I don't ever want to yell in this house like that again. And now today... 
Though I can't confess that I've been free from sinning in my anger, I can say that for eight years, my oldest daughter, Bethany, is nine. She has never seen me yell like that video portrayed me yelling. As a matter of fact, Nancy didn't even want to watch the video after it was made because she said, I can't see you like that, even in that way. Get rid of those things, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as Christ and God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave up himself for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. How many want to live like Jesus? Isn't that really what it's saying here? It's saying live like Jesus. And I'm just telling you today, if anger ain't your thing, maybe sexual purity is because there's a whole lot of that coming up in the next few weeks. Because among you, there must not even be a hint, not even a hint of sexual immorality. A hint of MSG will give me a three-hour migraine. A hint of peanuts can send my daughter into aphylactic shock unless she starts getting Benadryl. There should not even be a hint of sexual immorality in our lives or any kind of impurity or greed. Come, come for those messages. They'll be fun too. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Do you see how serious this is? So if we live like this, where do we go? To hell. The Bible says we don't see the kingdom of God. Where do you see then? Hell. What's the opposite of heaven, y'all? Amen. Okay, just want to make sure you got that. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Do not be partners with them. Do you know what? I was good at deceiving my friends about this. You know what I would say? I would say, man, it's just the way I am. You have the gift of gentleness. I have the gift of keeping it real. You know what? You know what? You're soft-spoken. I'm Italian. This is how I grew up. The Bible says, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. And listen to me. I said it in the first service. I'll say it right now. If you're the kind of person that gets so angry, you say, I check out. I don't know what happens. I don't even know how to stop myself. I am offering $100 appointments to Dr. Myers Clinic to 10 people here today because you need help. I'll spend $1,000 on this church right now for you to go to Dr. Myers Clinic downtown because that is not excuse and that needs to stop immediately. He's a Christian psychologist. Are you listening? We'll spend $1,000 right now, $100 appointments. I'll pay for 10 because that stops now. Let no one deceive you. No one here is going to say, I can't stop this. No one here is going to say, that's just so ingrained in me, I don't even know what I'm doing. We are going to help you to know when you're doing it. Amen? We're going to help you. We're going to help you because I want to tell you what, all of us look stupid when we act this way. We look stupid. We look foolish. When you are having that kind of a temper, I was uh, talking about in the first service with Adam. He was helping me. Here I am, a pastor, and he's helping me as one of our youth in the church, helping me put together a gym in my living room. And, you know, it's just not going together. The metal's not fitting in, and it's just not happening. And I took the hammer, and I beat that thing in front of him. You could just see the fire in my eyes. I'm beating it. And I had to apologize to him. I had to apologize to him. Not only now, praise God, I apologized to him then. But you know what? He doesn't have to put up with that from a pastor. He has the right to confront me. You have the right to tell people in your life, I don't want to be treated that way. I don't even want to be around you when you act that way. Because the Bible says the wrath of God comes on those who act that way. We need to be set free from this. Amen? How many are getting a little bit free hearing some of my stories today? Amen? Amen. You can judge me if you want, but I know I'm forgiven today, and I know I'm not who I used to be. And let me just, let me just say this right here. You know, one of the greatest things that happened to me was catching this revelation, and, and Ish and some of our elders remember this, is because I remember talking to a preacher once in New Orleans that was just like me, and I admired him so much, but I could tell he was a mean preacher, not only just in the pulpit, but with people in his life. And I was sitting down with the lunch with him and his, his, uh, his workers, and I asked them, because God started convicting me about the fruit of the Spirit being gentle, and at the dinner, with him present, with the workers present, I said, hey man, is Pastor so-and-so gentle? And they bust out laughing. They said, of course he's not gentle. And I said, man, that shouldn't be funny, because the Bible says we should be gentle right? But here was the thing. I never thought I was good enough. I thought I had to make myself gentle. I, I would hide behind that. I'm just not made that way. It doesn't work that way for me. And Pastor Ron Allen and his wife, Carolyn, my childhood pastors had come and preached for us, and, and Ish was there. And, and Pastor Carolyn Allen looked me right in the eyes, and she said, God says you're gentle. 
I made you gentle, and you can be gentle. I broke down crying like I had never cried before because I realized at that moment, it's all up here, friends. That's why he said, don't think like the Gentiles think. Put on the new you. And so I just want to stop right here. As you're hearing my stories, I know that's not who God made me to be. I'm not making those excuses anymore. I believe I am who he said I am, and I can do what he said I can do. Amen? Praise God. And that's why it says right here, for you once were darkness. We were all in darkness in our own ways. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light, what does the fruit of the light consist of? Goodness, say it with me, righteousness and truth. So how should we live? One more time in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Does God say we all can do that? Absolutely. And find out what pleases the Lord. See, I had to find out how to control my temper. I had to find out how to please him when I felt the adrenaline kick in. I'm going to talk about physically what it feels like in a moment, but let's keep working through this. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. There are some things that we can't even mention in church, but you know that wicked people have done wicked things out of anger. And we know that we should avoid those things. And so if you've been abused or or you're still in a situation like that, please come see us and we will help you immediately. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Now, this is talking about living for Jesus in a sense where you're like waking up. You're literally coming to life. And I know I pick on Oprah a lot, but she calls this the aha moment. And I like that kind of thinking. There needs to be a moment where the light bulb comes on for us here that deal with our tempers, where we realize we don't have to live in the death of our temper anymore, but we can live in the light of Jesus Christ. We can live in peace. We can live in patience. Amen? Be very careful then how you live. See, we got to be careful with our temper not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The devil is looking for an opportunity into our lives, and a temper is a great way to come in. As a matter of fact, we're going to get into Dr. Carolyn Leaf's materials and Dr. Meyer's materials, and do you know that most depressions and suicide are coming from a place of anger, either anger towards oneself or anger towards others? And we don't see that necessarily in the whimpering, uh, sad note that the suicidal person leaves, but if you, if you leaves behind. But if you understand it from this point of view, you'll get it right in your heart. Because that's how I got it one day, as I was mourning the loss of the lead singer's death, the suicide death of Lincoln Park. And I was thinking, man, these guys take their lives. But I was remembering his song, you know, the song, I feel so numb, and the anger that he would sing with. And now I began to start to pull it together, and the Bible says, don't get Give the devil a foothold. And it's almost just like the suicidal person is like, you don't deserve me. You don't deserve me. And you can't help me. And I'm going to take my life in my own hands. What are you going to do about it? One of the friends I used to wakeboard with threw himself in front of a train. His body was unrecognizable. Had him cremated and put on this pulpit right here in the other building. I've had to be at those funerals. But it's the anger inside of a man's heart. Take my life. You don't like me. It's anger. It's rage. It's disguise and the tears, but it's pain. And I'll tell you what, it's also anger towards God. You put me in this. You gave me a dad that beat me. You gave me a family that abused me. You don't deserve my life here. I'll see you in hell. You see, that's what it is. And the Bible says you better be very careful how you live. Not as unwise. You better be aware of how the devil manipulates you through your feelings. Let me just go there now. Your adrenal gland is not your soul. Your adrenaline is not your soul. Because most of us, other than the one that needs to see counseling this week, we feel it coming. You feel it coming. You know it's coming. You're even telling people, it's coming. You you don't want this. You don't want none of this. You're telling people it's coming. I'm about ready to snap on you. Come on. And we know it's coming. And then we just go, boom, we let it out. And you know what happens? PTSD, it's the same thing. You can do it to yourself. Post-traumatic stress disorder. You can turn on and off. Your ambigula through your adrenal, your adrenal gland so much that now your body's just shooting adrenaline all day long. That's why depression and anxiety go like this. 
You hit those highs. You're uncontrollable. Your heart is beating. You're taking it out on everybody or you're withdrawing and sulking and hating on the inside. And it has the same result. The depression comes. The agony comes. The despair comes. And then no one can help me. You give up. And what the Bible is saying, don't you be foolish, verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The Lord made you with the fight or flight ability to use adrenaline to get things done in life. A good stress, as Dr. Leaf talks about in his book, Don't Turn Off Your Brain. Get that book if you need help on this. Or Dr. Meyer's book, Happiness is a Choice. But listen to me. Don't be foolish. Understand, your body's meant to do that. But if you start feeling it fire at the wrong times, do what the Bible says. Consider your flesh dead. Consider it crucified. That's literally what it means. Consider yourself crucified. As that, come on, I am a man. You drive by me in an SUV yesterday. It doesn't matter if I'm a pastor, man. I'm still a man. And you sound that horn. My adrenaline was ready. My adrenaline was, it's go time. You got me ready now, sir. Let's go. Come on, Comcast. Let's meet out in the back. Just get somebody. Let's just weigh in. Get somebody around 215, you know, 215 pounds. Let's meet in the back, Comcast. I am ready. <laughs> but don't you be foolish. See your pastor on jail, in jail tomorrow. You know, whatever the little caption in the newspaper. You know I would smile too. But pastor got arrested for beating up a dude in Dundee, Illinois, on the Fox River Trail. Wife had to bail him out at 3 in the morning. <laughs> Dear God, that's my nightmare. I know we're laughing, but I'm telling you, that gives me cold chills. That keeps me up at night. I'm being serious. I have to learn to give that to God and say, Jesus, please teach me not to be a fool. Please teach me, God, not to be a fool. I want to know what your will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery is all kinds of problems. That's why some of you cannot handle tequila. You better just leave all alcohol alone. Amen? The communion grape juice is about as close as you're ever going to get. Now, the Bible doesn't say don't drink any alcohol. It just says don't get drunk on wine. So the, the line there is drunkenness. But some of you all better stand far away from that line. Just leave it, leave it to somebody else, somewhere else. That's just not for you. Some of, some, I'm just telling you, some people need to know that. Alcohol is just not for you. Amen? I don't drink caffeine. Do you know why? Uh, do you, just look at me. Could you imagine me on caffeine? This is me decaffeinated. I drank caffeine after being a Christian, and it just reminded me of the times I would do hard drugs. And I said, man, I don't need this in my life. I gave up caffeine over 20 years ago. That's just the truth. You can ask my wife, ask my close friends. I don't drink caffeine. Some of you, it's just, alcohol is just not for you. Just stay away from it the rest of your life. It's not for you. Caffeine is not for me. I don't like how it, is. it just makes me jittery. I just don't like it. keeps me up at night. My family's always dealt with it. They can't drink, you know, coffee afternoon or whatever unless it's decaf or something. It's just I, I just don't want anything to do with that. I don't need more energy pumping through my body. I'm fine just the way I am. Thank you very much. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. This is what we're going to do. How many learned something from that? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. I got the message for you now. I got the message right here. That was just me working through the passage, wanting to make sure you understood the text. Here is the message. In your anger, do not sin. That's a quote from Psalm 4, verse 4 in the Septuagint. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. In review, what do we learn? Sin is defined by how you handle anger, not anger itself. It's how you handle it that makes it a sin or not. There are times in the Bible where God got angry. There's times in the Bible where people got angry, and it was good. You can look at all those verses. What is sinful is anger that is ungodly, not filtered through the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, because I've been there before, I know the difference. There's probably only been about one or two times in my life where I've literally had to go, man, was I justified in yelling that time? I mean, literally, and God was like, yeah, that actually needed a yell. There's, I'm telling you, like one or two times in my life. The rest of the time's like, God's like, no, 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 no. Son, must I tell you again, that is not how to handle I'm just being real with you. 
I've talked to God so many times trying to figure it out, like, God, can I walk this line right here? I mean, I felt good, you know, right here in the moment. And God's like, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit, the dove, <laughs> that left a long time ago. You were not sensitive to it. That's why you kept going on the way you did. And then in my prayer time, how many of you have a prayer time? How many walk and talk with Jesus? How many in that prayer time have been convicted and you got to go back and make it right? Come back downstairs. I just did it the other day, just the other day. My wife and I, I'll just put all of our business out there. Uh, we're taking another trip to uh, Brandon's wedding in, in Dallas. Those of you know Brandon Holt, he's getting married. We're going to go there. Amen. We're going to go there in um, the end of April, beginning of May. And so we are going to uh, cross over to New Orleans, go to Florida, get a beach house with my family and spend some time there because there's no way I'm going that far south and not going to the beach. Amen. That's just the way I think. I'm like eight hours and I'm in Florida. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'm there. And uh, my wife and I were discussing how many people we wanted to invite with us in the New Orleans area that could go out there and, and do the thing with us. And she had a number that was different than my number. I'm not going to go into all the details, but the point was I got, I got upset with my wife. I got upset. And we can disagree. There's no problem with that. But I became harsh, and I became ungodly. And I felt good about it because I'm like, you know what? That's the way it should be. This is this the way it should be. I'm the head of the house. Boom. It is what it is. But then I go ride my bike, and God says, but I'm your head. Come on. You're the head of the house, but I'm your head. And then God says, we don't do it like that. Father, Son, Spirit, we don't do it like that. This is how we do it. And so I came back to my wife in all humility, and I said, I'm sorry, because that's not the way I should have acted in that situation. How many men can relate to that? Amen. So, so here's what anger can cost you, and this is just looking at the Bible. Cain's anger called him to, caused him to murder his brother, caused him to murder his brother. Moses' anger cost him going to the promised land, hitting the rock twice when he should only did it once. You want to know how Jesus got crucified? Out of the Jewish people's anger. They hated the Son of God so much that they crucified him. And do you know what? There was so much anger among the, the world at that time that they would kill Christians and they would vow to not eat until they killed more Christians. Not eat or drink until they killed more. That's what anger will do to you. Unrepentant anger is what leads to great harm. Remember I was talking about Dr. Meyer a little bit earlier? In his book, Happiness is a Choice, look at what he says. And he has a clinic here in our city as well. The root problem in nearly all depressions is pent-up anger either toward ourselves, true or false guilt, or towards others holding grudges. And so what happens is Jesus says, get rid of it. Don't keep it over the night. And the problem is we keep it. And that's when we wake up with what they call negative stress. And you start wondering, where is all this stress coming from? Why am I so stressed out? The reason is, is because you have anger towards your boss you haven't resolved. You have anger towards your spouse or your children you haven't resolved. You have anger towards your friends on Facebook you haven't resolved. And you're carrying all that anger inside. And then what's the result? A body, a physical body that cannot handle it, that is depleted because it's spending all of its adrenaline. It's spending all of its energy on things that are not bringing about good. And that's where it comes from. He said nearly all the cases. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not a doctor. See a doctor. That's why I recommended that we'll pay for the first 100 to go if they have issues. Because you can also have problems with your thyroid. It's a popular issue among uh, females especially. My wife has it. My mom has it. And you can have chemical imbalances. There are things that happen during the time of the month for women and a time of their life during menopause. There's also things that happen inside of a man's physiology when he doesn't eat enough food and he can get hangry. None of these are, are excuses but it's good to know your body and to help yourself. Amen? My wife can tell when I need something to eat. She's like, you need this. Eat it. And I'm telling you, I need to eat it because I'm way more touchier. I'm just too touchy. But I get some food in me. My body feels better. I do better. Notice those things and find out the cure. Amen? Find the cure. No excuses. And then when we learn that the devil takes a foothold, there's two different ways to think about that foothold. Think of... Uh, him trying to get into your, your house, and he's coming through the door, and he puts his foot there as you're trying to slam it. See, he's got a foothold now. You can't shut the door on him. He can get in now, right? That's one way of looking at it. Commentaries see it that way. And then other ways see it as we would actually see the word foothold. He's got your foot, and he's dragging you where he wants you to go. Either illustration you look at it, he takes advantage of it. We sinned on our own. The devil tempted us, but it was our choice. The devil made me do it. It's not a good excuse. It won't work on judgment day, so don't use it here. But the devil will take you through deception to places you never thought you would go. So recognize how the devil uses anger in your life. 
how he'll twist things around, how in anger you won't see things clearly. How many know what I'm talking about? You won't see the situation clearly. All of a sudden, you think your wife now is your worst enemy, where she's not. Or you think your kids are your worst enemy, and they're not. The devil deceives in those times. Be wise. Here are seven things that anger, ungodly anger can cost you. And if you've related to any of these things, I want you to say amen. Anger can cost you. If you don't handle it right, relationships with others, with your parents, spouses, children, co-workers, neighbors in the church. How many would say amen to that? How many of you could actually go through it, especially people like myself who have had these issues, could go through this and go, man, I've suffered in every one of these areas. I've had fights with my parents because of this. I've had fights with my spouse. I've had fights with my children. I've had fights with my co-workers. I've had fights with my neighbors. I've had fights with people in church. You know why I know why? Because messy people cause messes. When you have a problem of anger, wherever you get away from, guess what? You can't get away from yourself. You show up there and you bring that problem with you. That's why you got to consider it dead and live for Jesus. We were talking about this before, but anger will cost you your peace of mind and sanity. You can literally drive yourself crazy by being angry all the time. You literally can. By that, firing so much. And that's why I feel so much compassion for our soldiers because they don't know how to turn it off. And that's why we need to love on them and give them encouragement. But some of you, in all honesty, you may not have known any better. You may just be the kind of person that snaps and throws fits. And I'm not putting it by anybody. If I'm going to talk about my mom today, I ain't putting it by any of y'all. I don't know how you act, but my mom act perfect in church. Come on. So I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I'm telling you, you gotta, you got to say this to yourself. Is me getting angry over this worth my, worth my peace of mind and sanity? Because you give that away. The Bible says someone who can't control their emotions is like a city without a wall. Anybody can come and attack it. You, you lose the ability to learn from others. How many know there's people in your life that's just so hard to teach? you got to walk on eggshells. You say the wrong thing to them, they get so offended, so you, you eventually just stop talking to them, right? And guess what? You may be that in somebody's life right now. They may be thinking that about you. Man, I just can't talk to so-and-so. Every time I try to help them, they get so angry with me. They act like a know-it-all. You know what happens now? You lose your ability to learn. You lose that ability to gain wisdom. How about losing freedom? That's severe, but it can happen. You can lose your freedom. Some of us in here, and I'm not going to start pointing fingers, but I know I'm not the only one. We've been in jail because of the things we've done. You can lose your destiny and success. If God was that serious with Moses saying, you're not going to the promised land now, do you think he's going to be any different with us? God will say to me, son, I told you to put 100000 on the board. That's your championship. But guess what? You're not playing in the game. You're going to sit in the stands. Because you kept yelling at Adam. You kept yelling at Ricky. You kept yelling at your wife and kids. I'm taking you out the game, son. Sit back and watch. That's what Jesus did to Moses. You can lose your destiny over not controlling your anger. You can lose success. You can get fired from a job that God wanted you to be at. You can break up a marriage that God wanted you to be in because of your anger. When I was talking about this to my pastor, he told me a story about his mom. And he said his mom cost herself the marriage because of her anger and temper. You can blame it on a whole bunch of things. Well, I, was, I had a right to be angry. Yeah, but you're the one that broke it because you weren't willing to work on it. You can cost your relationship with God. How many know that's real? Not many people here today are going to admit that they've struggled with their anger towards God, but they do. They do. And then, of course, it can cost you your life. And this is what I would say. If it doesn't cost me my life today, like, boom, I have a heart attack, I just wonder how much, how much time I take out of my life because I put so much stress on my body in those times. Days, weeks, months. How many, time, how, how many hours am I taking away from being with my kids because I used up that amount of physiology to be angry at some dude that honked at me when I was riding a bike? These are the things that Jesus is telling us about through Paul that he wants us to take serious so that we can live the good life, the God kind of life. Amen? Amen. I want to just give you the five reasons. Now, I told you it's going to be a little bit right here, okay? Just give me right here. Five ways to keep your anger under control. I'll be quickly, though. The guitar helps me. How many like the guitar? It helps me move a little faster here. Here are the five things you can do to control your temper. How many want to do it? It's all based on scriptures. You can take your time this week and go over them. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. In other words, be patient. Just slow down. And all that you do, especially with the emotion of anger, and I'm learning this every day, man, I just need to slow down. On your job, most of your jobs, especially those of you who work for big companies, they've already taught you this and you're on the job training. 
you have the right to say, I need a break, I need to walk away. They want you to do that. You need to learn how to do that, men, in your marriage before you ever yell at your wife as you would a dude on the street. Because she'll forgive you, but she'll never forget that you did that. And she'll wonder for a long time when you'll do it again. Okay? Trust me, you don't ever want to do that. Just just say right now, I'm not going to treat my wife like I do a dude at the basketball court. Right? Parents, say that right now. I'm not going to treat my kids like I'm going to war against ISIS. They are not my enemy. Amen? And you won't have to take back so much in life. Control it. Number two, look over offenses. Not everything is worth all that you got to give. There are some offenses worth going to war over. There are some things worth defending yourself over. There are some confrontations that are worth it. But Comcast is not worth it. Amen? My wife and I disagreeing about how many guests we're going to have at the beach house is not worth it. Y'all so sanctified on here. Come on. Nobody want to admit nothing now. Y'all looking at me like this. Man, I wish I could follow all you home today. I really wish I could have a reality camera. Be quick to forgive as you've been forgiven. Remember, we just learned from Dr. Myers that depression has a lot to do with inner hatred and holding on of guilt. I have counseled in this church many, many people. There has never been a time where the ones that I have dealt with who are the most oppressed have not struggled with unforgiveness. It is always hand in hand, always, at least in my experience. Forgive. Even if you don't agree, I'm I'm talking a lot of you have had tough lives. You don't agree with it. Trust me, neither does God, okay? But you forgive them. Just say, God, I forgive them. You deal with them. But don't keep that here because then you're going to be punishing people in your life that had nothing to do with this. It's like the old saying, you're going to drink poison yourself expecting the enemy to die. That's not going to do anything to teach the enemy a lesson and you're killing yourself. Use anger but under control and act in a way that's righteous. So here's what I do. Don't always do it right, but I know that I can. No excuses. But what I'm learning to do and what I see works is when I'm angry and I feel the blood boiling, and I know some of you are not like me. You're more like tea, teapots. You're more steamers. But listen, we can all do this, learn from this. We can take a step back and just say to ourselves, how would Jesus act? I know it sounds cheesy. We've heard it a lot, but it's really the best thing you can do. How would Jesus act towards my kids right now? And you know what I do with my kids? I spank them, but I say, go take a time out. I'll meet you in there. Instead of, come here, you know? Now, have I done the come here? You're getting one right now? Yes. But what's the better way? Go take a time out and wait for me there. That is helping me. That is helping me, right? Honey, we're going to talk about this later. I can't talk about this right now. Whenever you guys hear that from each other, you need to understand. I need to back off. Don't be like, well, you need to talk about it right now all up in Applebee's because we're going to talk about it. That's not, that's not the right way. I'm not saying you deserve what comes next, but you provoked, right? That's, that's a sin of provoking. That's not being your brother's keeper. If a brother comes to you in weakness and says, I just can't talk about it, we should believe them. They just can't talk about it right now. So in marriage, we give a 10-minute cool down. That's it. You can't let the sun go down. See, that's a principle. You don't let the sun go down. 10-minute cool down, not three hours. Not go out with the friends, watch the game, then come back. No, no, just take a few minutes, mature. Come on. And then lastly, it's tight, but it's right. Leave room for the wrath of God because God will judge people. So God on judgment day is going to be angry and judge people, and that's his prerogative because he's their creator. So here's my deal. God, save that man in the SUV that honked at me yesterday and almost caused me to get into an accident. Save him. And, Lord, if you don't save him, I know the wrath will come on him. Right? That's it. God be with them. Be with this person. Be with this family member. Pray for you to save them. I'm going to love my enemies because that's what you told me to do. Forgive them for they know not what they do. But God, I trust in the end it's going to work out for your glory. Amen. Would you think about this before we go into prayer today? Would you think about the times in life when you're angry and learn to discern the, the validity of that emotion through the Holy Spirit and don't let it cause you to sin? Don't let the devil come into your life and use it as a foothold. Would you do that today? Would you just close your eyes and ask the Lord to show you if there's any way that needs to be straightened out right now as we prepare to close. Thank you for your patience today. Let's be honest. Most of you have already had things brought up, right, while I was preaching. Give those to the Lord right now and say, God, change my temper. Change the way I handle anger. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? 
A few moments alone with you and God right now can change your lifetime in this. I'm telling you. I can point to different marks in my life. Like that fight I got in when I was painting, that day I said, I'm never going to get in a fight like that again. And praise God, I haven't. Road rage, after that time I drove on the shoulder two years ago, I said, man, I am done with this. I am done. There are certain lines in the sand you need to start drawing right now with the Lord's help. Ask him to show you. For some of you, it's going to be, you know what? When I get angry, I'm not going to curse anymore. I'm done cursing. For others of you, when I get angry, I'm going to stop throwing stuff. I'm going to stop threatening. For others of you, it may even be, I'm going to stop hitting. I'm going to stop hurting. But let's be real. Has your anger had the best of you at different times in your life? And you now want to see God show you the new you. A different kind of you. A you that's gentle and patient. If I have seen God work on me in these 20 some years to show me who he made me to be, I know he'll do it in you. A few more moments right now can change your life. Come on, moms. Come on, moms. A lot of you got pressure. You work jobs. You take care of kids. I've been around moms even in the church, and I've been like, ooh, wouldn't want to be that kid right now. Come on, moms. How about dads in here? Dads, be honest. You've used that excuse, that tired excuse so much. Well, I worked all day. You don't go through what I go through. You're not treated the way I am. Give me a break. Give me space. That may be true, but come on, dads. you got to be honest and know there's a better way. There's a better way. Yeah, you can have space. Yes, you can have that couch, but you need to make a better way right now of handling those situations. If you need to stomp around your house, men, and tell everybody you're the man of the house, that shows me you're not the man of the house. Because a true king of the palace, a true man, will inspire others to follow them without yelling and making everybody do it by force. Come on, teenagers. I'm talking to teenagers now. How many of you have become numb to this and you listen to or watch fights on Facebook? You share it. You like watching people get knocked out. Some of you are, are with gangs or hanging around the crowd that does that. Be honest. Or you might have been like me, someone who didn't do gangs, but you had a temper and you were ready to fight. You rebel towards your parents. Let's be honest. I'm just trying to help today. A few more moments. It can change your life if you give God your temper. Jesus, we declare today, we're going to be who you called us to be. We will be children of peace, kindness and goodness and righteousness. In Jesus' name, before we stand up and say amen, because I want to pray one more time, I want you just to look up at me, please. One of the things that blessed me the most was looking at the video that I put on Facebook. And a guy named Chad Shaw wrote on there, and you can go and look at it. Chad, if you're watching, I love you. He's a burly dude. We were the same age growing up together, and he picked a fight with me. Remember, I'm only going to tell you the ones that I won, right? So he picked a fight with me, but I didn't want to fight, man. I was kind of scared of him. I was like, Chad, you're a crazy-looking dude. But then I went home, and then I got so angry, man. I ran all the way back full on till I saw him and I'm like we're gonna fight and I just beat him up and it was a good fight I'm sure he did good Chad you're the man but I won right but that's not why I tell you this with almost tears coming down my eyes he writes on that video of me acting out the anger and all that he goes I know that Joe with that temper he said I'm I'm bet it's gonna be an awesome message you see, he's seen God change me. He's seen that I'm not the same person anymore. And you know what? My mom repented for hitting me across the face and the mouth at restaurants and throwing her shoe at me. My dad's repented for taking off his jacket saying he was going to beat me up. I'm telling you, my parents said we, we were wrong. And it showed me Jesus. I just want to know, is there anybody willing today to show the Chad Shaws or the kids in their life or the friends in their life that you were wrong? 
Is there anybody that's willing to step back to those same corners, those same jobs, those same bosses, and say, I was wrong the way I treated you guys here. I'm going to do better. And I'll tell you what, that's when they're going to know Jesus is real. Chad Shaw, I wish I could just call him up right now and be like, what is one of the greatest ways you know I'm a Christian, Chad? Tell us. He'd be because, Joe, you don't yell and cuss and fight like you used to. Thank you, Jesus. You ask this man right here how he knows God's in my life because he doesn't see me yell like I used to, even as a pastor. You talk to my wife, and you ask her, how do you know that, that Joe's really living for Jesus because she's seen me live out a different way of handling my temper. It's been one of the most uh, like obvious ways. And I want you to have that testimony. If you're going to have that testimony, would you stand up, give the Lord hand clap of praise, and say, yes, Lord. Jesus, I pray that we do this by your strength, by your might, that you send us out of this place. Change to live like you, showing our friends, our family, what it's like to live a different kind of life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Hallelujah.